we've been on this trajectory of increasing amount of space and time we're filling with just information and noise. And I think the pendulum is going to swing the other way. So whereas we have been and probably will continue to be just constantly online, constantly plugged in, always listening to some kind of podcast, always listening to this creator talking about X, Y, and Z product, always reading the new Substack, the new newsletter, whatever it is. I think now people are going to want to, again, just be more selective and with what they are choosing to opt into, be more engaged with it too. Welcome to the Active Ingredient Podcast, your destination for all things personal and professional growth. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I am an intentional brand builder on a mission to inspire people to build not only their dream businesses that are fully in alignment and that actually feel good for them to be in, but more importantly, to create well-rounded lives that are in alignment with their values. I believe that we can only grow outward in proportion to how aligned we are internally and that slowly but surely, we are all capable of creating lives that feel incredibly fulfilling to be fully present in. Hello, welcome back to the Active Ingredient Podcast. We have a fun episode for you this week. I have Megan McGuire back on the show. Megan is my right hand on all things Nude Nation, which is my brand building and PR agency. And she's my right hand on all of those things, but also is one of just the wisest humans that I know. And I'm so grateful that I have the chance to work with her and that I've worked with her for four and a half years now, I think. And we recorded an episode on what our thoughts are on the brand building space. And as you know, my philosophy with everything in life is that everything is a mirror. I say that multiple times in this episode, but that's kind of the philosophy that Megan and I work by is the way in which our clients are showing up as humans is reflective in how things are externally and in the outcomes of how we work with them and in just general performance. So in this episode, we're going into things that worked in 2023, things that we observed within the brand building space, really rooted in just the inner work and the inner evolution that happens with our clients. And so we did record this episode <laughs> literally at 5 p.m. on a Friday, which was not the smartest move. But if I'm being completely honest, we did that intentionally because we were like, oh, we really want to go to this restaurant that reopened. I'm going to say it the way that I say it, but people make fun of me. Lentrecot, which is a steak and fries restaurant that has been in New York forever. There's a, there's several actually in Paris. And my family and I have been going to this restaurant literally forever and ever and ever. And I've never waited for a table ever. Okay. Like I, I just feel like people didn't know about it. And so we recorded at 5 PM because we were going to record and then go have dinner after. So that's literally the only reason that we were doing it. And so after we recorded this podcast, like kind of being insane, like we were a little bit incoherent doing this episode. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I think I, I obviously re-listened and there was a lot of really good stuff in there, but I mean, to me, I can tell that it was 5 p.m. on a Friday. So have some grace with us on this one. But anyway, so we go to uh, have dinner at this restaurant and it opened, it reopened 10 days ago because it had closed for some time. It was, the line was an entire avenue long. I'm not kidding. It was, I posted it on my stories. It was an entire New York City Avenue long wait. I was like, who are these people at the end of this line that like, do they think they're they're going to eat here? It was like, there is no way in hell the restaurant's not that big. Like I was shocked. I've seen lines like that in New York for like, I don't know, like kiss drops or like, oh my God, remember when like that cronut phase happened and like everyone was in line for the cronut? I've only seen it in those things. I am shocked to have seen this for this restaurant that I literally have never waited for ever because there's never a wait. Like I'm not saying that because of anything other than like they just wasn't a wait. And so that really makes me just wonder. I mean, I, I know what happened, which is that it blew up on TikTok, which I'm curious, like if there's someone or a brain behind the blow up on TikTok, but long story short, I know I'm rambling right now, but I am in New York. And this is just something that happened. And this episode was recorded in person. And 
it was recorded at this time, which resulted in let's see how this goes type of thing. And yeah, that's why we recorded at 5 p.m. on a Friday. And that's why we have this just very interesting episode that I know has a lot of really good takeaways, but we'll just take you on a journey into our stream of consciousness pretty much. So with that, I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your week. And Megan, thank you for coming back on the show for the third time. Hopefully there'll be many more. So with that, enjoy the show. I can't believe that we're doing this at this time. This is really ballsy. <laughs> this is almost as ballsy as me doing the last interview that I, not interview, solo at four in the morning. Did, did you know that I did oh, that? Oh, yeah, you told me. I literally woke up at 3.45 because I was jet lagged and I was like, oh, I don't have an episode for this week. And I, I, I told myself I was going to do every single week and I was not going to miss a Monday. And so. But I, I think that's when the best things happen for a lot of people like you and me. <laughs> when you're under the gun and you just, you don't have time to think about it. You just have to do it. So actually, you know what? Let's just like go off from right here because I couldn't agree more. And I've noticed, and today we're talking about systems and processes. And it's like, I totally think that we need them and that we can establish more of them. But at the same time, I am a person that does better under pressure. So it's like having systems and processes allows for you to like do things with time, but I perform my best and that could be a limiting belief. But like, I definitely perform good under pressure or better under pressure. This is something that I talk about in therapy so much that I want to be the person. And I think a part of me is the person that has all of these structures and routines. And I know what I can expect out of my day and out of my week. But after doing the same morning routine or the same routine for three days in a row, I'm like, this is so boring. I am not, I'm the least creative that I have ever been. And I think it's about having certain buckets that you always hit and leaving yourself room to, to like, try different things. It's a freedom within a framework. I literally, of course, we have the same synapse. Freedom so my, within a framework. For my morning routine, for example, I have, instead of being like, okay, every day I'm going to wake up at 7 a.m. and I'm going to do journal, walk, exercise, uh, make a coffee, eat, I have, like, 10 things that I know make me feel good. And I wake up and I say, which one do I need today? Which three do I need today? And I choose. Okay. I love that you say this because we actually thought that we we're going to do this whole episode on brand building, which we're going to definitely get into. But I think that like, I mean, Active Ingredient talks about both inner work and brand building and how those two kind of collide. But in our prep for this, we did not talk about talking about these inner work things. And I think that for our what's in for 2024 and what's out, this is totally one of those things where like, the water with lemon, the routine, the wash, rinse, repeat every single day. Like people are going to individualize more into that exactly what you're talking about. Like, what do I need? And similar to brand building, like what does my brand need? That's not necessarily the cookie cutter, air one smoothie, same influencer strategy that every single person is doing. Like it's going to be the exact same thing. But I do think knowing the tools and then also giving yourself the freedom, even within the day. Like if you're like, okay, my like three things are silence, um, meditating, journaling, but instead of like forcing yourself to do it at a certain time, just knowing and trusting that like in that day, you're going to hit the things that you're going to want to do for yourself because they serve you, not because like an influencer did it or because someone else is doing it. And or like, you feel like it's because it's what you should be doing. Exactly. And you actually like do it at the time that's, that it serves you yeah. versus like just to hit a box. Right. Like I don't say for my, to myself, I need to go for a walk first thing in the morning every single day, which I know there are benefits to getting sunlight first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. But to me, I'd rather prioritize. I need to go for at least one walk a day. And whether that's first thing in the morning, one day this week, I woke up and I said, I need to get outside before I start work or it's just not going to be my best work. So I did it then. Another day, I was like, I kind of would rather chill for a little. And then I have a meeting at 12 or whatever, and I'll walk to the meeting and I'll get my walk in then. So it's like, again, just, yeah, like checking in with yourself and 
being very honest with yourself about what is serving you and what is not. Mm-hmm. And Across some the board. people need that kind of structure. And also like, yeah. And even now that like, okay, when I started this stuff, like this, there was definitely way more structure. And I was so attached to that because it really got me from point A to point B. And that like rhythm to go into something that I had so, I was so far from that, that like it really, really helped. First of all, like enough time doing that, like show me the benefits. And then I got attached to it because I was like, okay, well, this is the only way that I know how. If I stop doing this, then I'm going to lose this center or the groundedness or like the way that I feel. But then like the more, again, back to the trust, like the more that I could trust that I could change it a little bit, I started to notice like just different things that were working or serving me more. But even now, like years doing it, I really find like I'm in a season in this exact moment where actually more structure is working for me, where like maybe in a few months it won't. And I think it's also knowing yourself and knowing the season that you're in and what you need to like, what gear you need to go into Mm -hmm. and how to show up in that. Because right now I'm actually in a zone where it's like, I'm back to doing, waking up and doing a lot of the same things every day because of what I need for myself right now. And I don't know if that's going to be the same case in three months from now, but today and for like this few weeks, it's been the need. And I'm cool with that. Everything is a season and there's Mm -hmm. so many different seasons in your life, whether they be big or small. And I think it's really empowering to say, this is what's working for me right now. I don't know what if it's going to work for me tomorrow, a week from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, but it's what feels right for me right now. So I'm going to stick with that and just release the need to like the need to control it Mm -hmm. and to just know what the future is going to be and just have like such a specific view of what you think it should look like. Just focus on like what is in front of you Mm -hmm. and the day at hand, the week at hand, whatever feels right for you and be open to the fact that that might look different a week from now. Yeah, for sure. But I do find that like, and I went through phases of this and sometimes I do where I'm like, well, if I'm not doing that, then am I going to like lose the edge or am I going to like lose the focus or am I, you know what I mean? Like there's like a period where I think it takes like doing it and sitting with that feeling of not doing something just to see if it works or not. Like, I don't know, just to like test to see like, does this actually, like there'll be eras where I'm like, oh, I really don't want to journal. Like I'm just like so resistant to it where there's other eras where I really, really want to do it. And so like, if it's a few days, I'll like, it'll probably go away. But if it's chronic, then I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to do it in the same way. Maybe I'll just do like a sentence and see if that works and just kind of like play with it like that. Yeah, play around with it and know that you might get it wrong. Sometimes you might choose to not journal. You might choose to not go to the workout and stay home instead and go to bed early. And the next day you might wake up or that night you might go to sleep and think, shit, I really should have done that workout. I think I would feel a lot better right now. Like, that's great. That's Mm -hmm. a great learning. You start over again tomorrow. It's not the end of the world if you got it wrong one day. You know, like be open to getting it wrong. Just give it your best guess. Um, Check in with yourself and say, this is what my gut is telling me. I'm going to go with that. And if it doesn't end up being right, then it's not right. And also like you're totally fine. Like it's super, super normal for things that like extremely served you at one point to not serve you anymore. Like things that got you from A to B are likely not the same thing that's going to get you from B to C. And that's like, it's just like a part of it and that's okay. And that's normal. So if you're wondering like, why is it that I'm just like not excited about the things that I used to be excited about? Like, it's likely that you're actually growing into another phase of yourself. And like those things just aren't it anymore. And that reframe of like, I'm excited to know what that next thing is. It's like, I remember the first time that I started like realizing those things that actually served me. I was like, this is so cool. And that's why you attach. But then it's like, there's so much out there to like, let yourself be open to all the other different modalities. I mean, don't even get me started on human design. Like I dove deep into human design this year and I was 31 turned 32 this year. Like letting yourself be open to just like different modalities, different things that like just open you in a way that serves and like being able to lean in and then also lean out of things that just don't anymore. But I think that this is a really good segue for just seasons in brand building. And the point of this episode is to talk about just what our view was for 2023 brand building, also inner work. We, like I said, think that both of those things go hand in hand. But 
I think from a brand building perspective, I've definitely talked about this. I've definitely talked about it on my TikTok. I've definitely talked about it on the show. But really being comfortable with the seasons within brands and not thinking that like KPIs or like specific things are going to happen month over month over month. I actually find that to be a hindrance. Like if you're doing the same things and expecting that you're going to get five podcasts and 25 influencers and two partnerships happening and activating every single month, I just don't, I just don't think that that has like the biggest and strongest impact. And it goes back to seasons. Like there's seasons to be loud. There's seasons to be heads down, building the infrastructure or building the next thing that you want to work on, but you don't want to dilute things. So I definitely want to talk about just like seasonality when it comes to brand building. But the whole point of this show is that we're going to be talking about what worked or what we saw in 2023 as things that were exciting. And then um, just kind of, I don't know if we want to say predictions, but like 2024 vibes and our our intent going into the new year. Um, there are a lot of founders and freelancers and entrepreneurs that listen to Active Ingredient or people that are aspiring to work for themselves. So I just, I want to like leave you guys, the audience with just like, takeaways with what we think from 2023 is going to go into 2024 and just what we're excited for. I would also say just overarching to the point of living your life in seasons and embracing the fact that everything is a season. I would also look at it as I think a theme that I've seen a lot in 2023 with like millennials, people my age talking about is the idea of constantly editing your life and constantly revisiting what is making me feel good right now? What is not making me feel good? What's not serving me? What is serving me? And editing accordingly. So I think this is something that's very inherent in our strategy at New Nation is constantly editing our strategies and constantly checking in with our clients saying, hey, this pitch isn't landing, but editors, podcast hosts seem to be attracted to this specific common thread that we're talking about, we think we should double down on that. Or, hey, like a lot of podcasts are landing right now, we should ride that wave um, and put a hold on digital. Or, hey, like social is having a big uh, uprise right now, whatever it is. Just constantly reflecting and saying, okay, like this is what is gaining some more momentum and this is where we're kind of having some resistance to. So just being open and honest with yourself and constantly checking in on what is working and what isn't. While also giving things a fair shot. Because I think that like, especially for what we do for work, clients want results immediately. And it's like, it things take time to even know what it is to double down on. So it's like, we have to go with our gut on the first initiative or anyone that's listening, like you, you got to try obviously and start with something. And then from there, I always tell clients to pay attention to where it is when you're talking to other people about your brand, or if you're launching something new and you're talking about your new service or your new product, seeing where the person is that you're talking to, like, where is it that they're lighting up? Like, I always say this to you too. It's like when we see our clients do interviews or when they're on stages, like not only is it when they light up, I mean, everything's a mirror. So when they're lighting up, the audience is lighting up too. But like, that's kind of like the first phase into figuring out what it is that you even want to like start as the initiative. But then to your point of like, we're constantly editing, like, yes. And it also takes time to know what the edit is because just because one pitch didn't land doesn't mean that that angle wasn't right. Maybe it was the ha the subject. So it's not like really like a full pivot, but more a slight edit. As editing within the editing. Editing within the editing. Exactly. It's like you don't just throw something out because it wasn't a full viral success immediately. Like there's something to it. Actually, TikTokers talk about this all the time. Like just because you have a content idea, you like did a video and it got 200 likes, doesn't necessarily mean that the idea was bad. Maybe it was in the hook. Maybe it was in the way that you presented it. Maybe it was the time, whatever. There's so many different things. But like, if you genuinely feel like there's something there, figuring out ways to keep trying that for a certain period of time until you're like, no, this actually isn't it. Th there's both, you know, like giving it seasons and then also like editing the edit. Editing the edit. Yeah. Yeah. Did that make sense? It did. And I think it goes back to everything goes back to just 
having done the work on yourself to also be able to have that gut to check in and say, I feel like this isn't working because it's just not right. Or I feel like this is something I want to double down on and I want to see through and I know it's right. It's just about grinding and continuing to find the one right person to say yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. That brings me to something else that was a huge learning of 2023. I mean, I guess it's like a constant learning and a constant just like believing it more and more about energetics when it comes to pitching and brand building. And something that we saw so overtly this year was like when you're pitching and it's like if it's taking like three follow-ups and the people are just not seeing it, like you don't necessarily want that person to be the one to cover it. Like you want it to be someone who sees the vision because that person is going to be the one to ask the right questions, whether that's the podcast host, whether that's the editor, whether that's the writer, the freelancer, whoever, like whoever it is that is sharing your story on wider platforms. Yes, obviously following up is a part of what we do and there are their inboxes are in, inundated. So like there's definitely like something to the follow-up and there's there's an there's, art to it. There's definitely an art to the follow-up. And I'm not saying to never follow up, but we saw it with one of our clients that she did something absolutely incredible. People don't do things the way that she did for this one thing. And I'm not going to say because I just don't want to say what client it was. But we wanted Vogue to cover this thing. And Vogue was not answering. <laughs> I was like, who are you talking about? I mean, all of our clients are doing awesome things. But like Vogue actually answered and then ghosted. And... That's, by the way, part for the course when it comes to PR and brand building. But the, ener- the energy was like, we really were grabbing towards mm-hmm. Vogue. We were grabbing towards something with someone that wasn't clicking with it immediately. And not that it has to be immediate, but like, it just like, it felt like the energy underneath it was just like, we were grabbing towards it. Then the- it's almost like, sorry, I just had a revelation. It's almost like dating when they're like, he wa- if he wanted to, he would. Yes, if yes. they were excited about the pitch and if they're excited about the person and if it's the right fit, and I'm not saying that it's like, oh, they don't care. Um, like they're – edit this out. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> like, you know what I'm getting at? Like, side note. Like, it's not like she doesn't care about Madison. Like, or it's not like totally. she doesn't love the wedding or whatever. But if Yeah, I kind of want to say this whole thing. Like, I want to say this whole thing without even saying Vogue. I'm just going to say top tier outlet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If they're not responding to your pitch, it's – maybe it's not that it's they don't love it or it's an amazing story or it's an amazing uh, idea, whatever it is. But if they wanted to and if it was the right fit, even just energetically, if it was meant to happen, they would get back to you. Mm-hmm. They would respond. Totally. They would follow up with you. I mean, there's so many layers to it because it's like like – I mean, and I don't even know if we're going to go into all of that because, like, yes, like, if there's a relationship there already, that's a huge thing. Like, if you have no relationship to that person and they're not answering, it doesn't necessarily mean that energetically. It's like they just might delete the email because they don't know the email. You know what I mean? Like, that that could be something, which I don't even think I'm going to keep in that thing because it's in the podcast because it's, like, too niche. But I guess what I'm getting at is that, like, this year it has reinforced in me the power of energetics and in pitching and brand building, in everything, obviously. But, like, I see it so clearly when a client has genuinely self-validated. And when we're so confident in the pitch, like... It's that it has a home. It's just finding the right home for it. And really not settling for a home that doesn't see it in its entirety. Because if... And this, this will go into what is how we're focusing in 2024, which is less is more... I would rather have less but of the right things be covered than just noise. And if the person on the receiving end sees it as mutually beneficial, is excited about it and understands that like this is something that's actually of use to their readers or of use to their audience, the que- again, back to the questions, like the questions, what's going to be extracted from our clients is going to be so much more powerful that like it really all starts with the energetics of how it first is pitched and then also making sure that the person receiving it is receiving it in the way that you want and not settling for anything less than that. Yeah. And it's even, and this might be getting too niche into our role specifically, but it's even, um, even if it's not that specific story you're pitching them on, isn't a right fit at that time for whatever reason, 
if you're pitching them in an authentic way that you genuinely think would be a fit and would add value to their lives, to their readers' lives, and you are coming to them with something that you've done your research on, and they, they'll see that. They get so many pitches a day that are copy and paste, blasted to hundreds of people at the same time, high X, uh, like... The, the amount of pitches that I get. I need to show you my inbox for the pitches that I get for people to come on Active Ingredient. I mean, I forwarded, forwarded you it's some of them insane. that I'm like, they're from agencies that are very reputable and I'm not going to say them, but like we can do better. And also like, by the way, with AI and like, I, I'm all for leveraging AI for things that like make sense within our industry, but it's so relationship heavy and like people have different philosophies on like if mass works or whatever. I am so of the mindset that uh, as we go into that space and I'm literally seeing it in my inbox with all of these pitches that are so clearly done by AI or just blast with high X. Like, and they have nothing to do with what the writer... No, clearly they don't know. They don't, they've they yeah. never listened to Active Ingredient a day in their life. Like, I'm so of the mind of really less is more again with that too and just doing it intentionally. And I don't even know where I was going with this whole thing. Just to... I, I think I started this thread. So just to close the loop on it, that... If I'm sending someone an authentic pitch that is rooted in research and just genuinely knowing knowing who the reader is, knowing who the writer is, who the other person on the end is, even if it's not the right fit for them at that right time for whatever reason, they'll recognize that we're coming from a place of authenticity and they'll be more inclined to reach back out to us if they're working on something that is a fit down the line or to move forward with something that's a fit at a later time. Yeah. So, like, that might not be the end of the road. Mm -hmm. I agree. And there's where patience comes in and, like, knowing that, it, that it's a long game. But to close the loop on this thought is just, like, really going into 2024 with the mentality of first self-validating whether you are the person that is pitching this or expanding this on behalf of another brand or if it's your own brand, your personal brand, your physical product, whatever, like however you can self-validate what it is that you're doing will come across in every single thing that you do. And like it'll come across and if it's someone else that's pitching it on your behalf, like the way that you energetically communicate that to the other people on your team, like that will trickle down into the way that it's pitched to editors. That will that will trickle down in the way that the editor pitches it to their editor. And like, it is a ripple effect. So the more that you can own and, and really do the inner work to understand where the blind spots are within wherever it is that you're doubting it or wherever it is that you feel like something outside of you is going to validate it more than you can. Like, it's a, it's a journey and it's a process. And I'm not saying I have it on lock. I don't have it on lock in a lot of, in a lot of things, but in some things I do, and I, I could just tell the difference. You know what I mean? So my big takeaway on this note, and I think it's probably the most powerful thing. And I've seen it with our clients too. It's like, as our clients grow in their own inner confidence and in their ability to do what they do best, I, we, I see it so clearly. Like I've seen so much growth in our clients as humans that then changes the trajectory of the level of placement that they're getting. And it's like, yes, we are a messenger in here, but it's like, we can't out pitch energy. It's such um. I don't want to say a machine because it's not because it's done with so much like heart and integrity, but it's like every single person is a link or a cog in this wheel that it takes so many components to make it work. It takes our clients who do the work on themselves, who self-validate, who are really genuine in what they want to share with the world and are genuine in why they want PR it takes mm, us. Great point on why that. they want PR. Such a good one. Yeah, it takes us. I know, and I want to get more into that. It takes us knowing the audience, knowing the writers, writing a genuine pitch that's rooted in research and being able to tell the story. It takes... Having the relationships. Having the relationships. It takes a writer who sees the vision and knows how to execute on it. Like, there's just, there's so many different factors that go into it, mm -hmm. you know? But I think it is all rooted in a lot of us 
on every end do so much self-work to get to this place where we can put our all into a pitch, our all into a story, our all into this new thing we're launching, whatever it is, and put it out there into the world, do what we can, and then detach from the outcome. I've also noticed our clients in general be so much more detached to the outcome, which again, it's just like it all results in more outcome. But like I really have seen just kind of like a a trust, which is funny because my personal word this year was trust. And I see it, which is not a shock to me because everything is a mirror. I've said that five bajillion times, but I just see it within our clients too. Like, yes, everyone has moments of like wanting things to happen faster for sure. But I've just seen a shift of like, if it's not them, it's something better. And like genuinely believing that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And just staying in your own lane too. Like it's so easy in this day and age to fall into a comparison trap. And this conversation has been had a billion times, but it's so easy from a brand or a founder perspective to see what every other founder is doing and to see them on all of these podcasts and all these specific series and doing all the things on Instagram and going to these events and saying, I should be doing that. Why am I not doing that? Why wasn't I in this piece? Why wasn't I on that podcast? And just trying to copy and paste other people's formulas that have worked for their success. But I think it's really about just taking a step back, being honest with yourself and saying, what is true to me? What is my unique value? And what is the best way for me and for the people who I want to receive this message for that message to come across? Mm -hmm. What are some things that we can prompt listeners to, to like identify what that is for them? If they're like, okay, like if I'm not going to be looking at other founders, I'm not going to go, I'm going to consciously not do this comparison trap. I'm going to do some inner exploration on figuring out the ways that I can communicate this that feel true to me. I want to give like a few, a few kind of takeaways on how to do that work. And I, I can start with what I said originally, which was when you're talking about what whatever it is that you're doing, observing where you come alive more and also where other people are leaning in and asking you questions. I think that like noticing that thread and noticing like, let's say that you're saying your founder story and there's like four parts to the story. And in part two is when the audience or the person that you're speaking to or your your mom or whoever it is leans in and asks you a question. Also pay attention to the question, but pay attention to the, the places where people are lighting up. And also inventory check on yourself. Like when are you lighting up? Like we have a client that like is lighting up and popping off on something that has absolutely nothing to do with what she originally came to work with us on. And through observing her and observing the reactions in, in panels, in, um, podcasts, in just rooms that we were with her, we were like, this girl's lighting up talking about this completely other thing. And now that's her entire career pivot is going into that. And so that's that's a little takeaway that I will share is like, and something else actually that Jenna Zoe says from Human Design, shout out Jenna Zoe. I've told this a million times. I would love for you to come on the podcast if this in some way, shape or form has come across your desk. If you like just for a second, we're journaling or just in silence and like thinking about, I wish that there was a way that if if it was possible for me to just do this thing, this is how I would do it. Like, I don't know if that even tracks with like the original thought of what I was saying. And maybe I just like cut this entire thing. But she's like, it's kind of like this like secret way that you were like, oh, it wouldn't it be amazing if, it, if I could just do it this way? Or wouldn't it be amazing if I could just focus on talking about this? Or wouldn't it be amazing if like within my job, I could only do this one thing and then never have to do all of these other things? Like, even if you're not in a, in a, a position right now to really like have that be your reality, just noticing what that is because that is the thing that you want to double down on. Like that's the thing that you want to extract the most and like make that be the forefront. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I would say um, to double down on your first point to just talk to people about what you're trying to create, what your idea is. 
because I think the more that you talk about it, the more you flesh out the idea. And not only, like you said, is the person on the other end giving you feedback and saying, wait, no, that's interesting. I would want to hear more about that. I think you are also just fleshing through it in your head and you are getting clearer on what it is that you want to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say just talk to as many people about it. Like talk to your friends, your family, um, anyone you admire, like who works in your industry. So just talking to people about it. And then I would also say just sitting in silence more. Um really creating that space for your mind to wander and for your brain to just roam free to kind of like come up with your own creative ideas that aren't like rooted in what you saw on Instagram from someone else or what you read that someone else is doing um, or some headline that you saw someone else got. Sitting in silence, I think, is really important. Journaling, I think so much comes up that when you're journaling that you just would never expect Mm -hmm. and you had so many good takeaways from it. I mean, I think, like, to the point of being in silence, also just being offline and, like, allowing your space that you're in or whatever environment that you're in to also speak to you. Like, I can't tell – I mean, every single huge creative idea I've had has been either traveling by the ocean – like in a place that's not like changing your environment. I actually really want to read Rick Rubin's book. Um, I can't remember what it is, but it's all about creativity. And he talks about just changing your environment really, really helps. And oh my God, when I'm in allowing a or in a funk, the first thing I do is change my environment. Yeah, allowing your environment to be something that just flips a switch in you. And maybe you can see something. You could be staring at your screen for literally hours and then all of a sudden you just like have a different perspective on something and then it clicks. Like that for me is a huge thing. I go to coffee shops all the time because the energy of other people around me helps me see things differently. Yeah, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to go to Europe. You don't have to go to you the can. <laughs> I mean, by all means, if you can, do it. Yeah. You don't have to. Like on a micro level, you can go for a walk yeah. and go the opposite way that you normally go. Or that's what he was saying. I was listening to him on Jay Shetty and I'm talking about Rick Rubin. And he was saying that like a lot of people will say that they're not creative people. And did I tell you this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's like, every single person is creative. Like if you one day decide to walk a different street just because you feel like it, like that's a creative act. Like if you, I don't know, try to do something with your left hand instead of your right, like that's creative. If you are doing Excel and you're like, I want to do this font color whatever. Like all of those things are creative things, but I feel like we've gone on this like insane tangent. Like how the fuck did we get here? And we got to like reel it in a little bit. So, okay. 2023. What time is it? 547. Okay. <laughs> that's not, that's not bad. I feel like we've got yeah, done, yeah. done like good headway. Okay. 2023 learnings. Where are we? 2023 learnings. So Sophie and I sat down earlier today and just brainstormed a list of what we feel has worked for ourselves as consumers, um, as humans, as publicists, and what we feel has worked for our clients. So in terms of channels that we feel are working, we have newsletters, we have podcasts, specifically video podcasts. And we have blogs. And then going into kind of more just ideas and ways of operation, intentionality is like the number one thing that works for us is setting an intention for the week, setting an intention for a pitch. When a client comes to us and says, we want to launch this, we work with them to get so clear on what is the value that we're adding with this? What is the message that we want to get across? Who is the audience that we want this to reach? Just so that when we're going to an editor, when we are giving an interview, when we're sharing a story, it is so intentional and it's so clear that it does exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah. And it ends in the right hands. And yeah. I think the thing, because there's so many products and like, it's just, as we know, it's just growing more and more and faster and faster. 
knowing, and this isn't breaking news for me to say this, but like, I think really going deep on this is the differentiator and like being intentional on how you communicate the differentiator. And if it's like, if you have to, if you have to question, not question your client, but if you have to like probe more and more and more to really understand what is the actual differentiator, who is it solving the problem for the most and like getting super clear on, on that, because people are getting pitches in the beauty space. For example, you really have to be so clear on that one liner differentiator in beauty because there are five bajillion different brands, like the intentionality on the pitch, but also the intentionality on the differentiating factor. And like being so clear with that in like sentence one or two. Yeah. And also just asking yourself why before going into it. Mm -hmm. Like why do I want to create this product or this service? Why do I want to get press on it? Like why do I want to tell this story? Because when you get really clear on that why, it's so much easier to figure out the how. Mm -hmm. Um, Like what is the right channel? How are we going to tell the story? Yep. Who were we going to reach out to about it? So, yeah, I think just being very clear with yourself on what the differentiator is and what your why is and what your intention is with what you're trying to get across in the in the press. Agree. Yeah, and I also – I want to go into – is there anything else from 2023 that we want to talk about? overarching, doing the work on yourself first and everything else falls into place. We touched on that a little bit and then digging deep into what. Like, no, I wouldn't, I would edit that just to say, not just doing the work first. It's like doing the work consistently because it's like, as you continue to grow into new levels, like that requires a different gear inside as well. Like I was talking to one of our clients, for example, and she's continued to grow and grow and grow. And it's like, the inner work that got her from, again, A to B is back to our early, early, early point of like even morning routines or whatever it is that you're doing there, like gear shifts happen. And so it's not like you do the inner work and then everything falls into place forever. It's like, it's a constant thing, like working for yourself, working in general, do, being a human in general is a constant, constant ebb and flow. I just think that like when you work for yourself, it's like you're forced into doing that I guess faster, or like you're you you have to do it in order to like get this thing moving. So it's just like a a constant thing, I would say. Yeah, and constantly checking in with yourself and yeah. being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. So we've seen a shift for sure in brands starting to go into the offline space, or at least creating hybrids of digital and offline, I think that that's going to continue to rise. And I think that actually like we might see a shift in way more into the offline world than digital. I think digital will support offline. Yeah. I have so many thoughts about this. So I think that I don't think I know that the digital world right now is so insane. You and I talk about it probably every single day. The amount of overconsumption and not to be this person, but like capitalism, like amount of products being sold, the sheer amount of volume of people online and outlets online and people sharing their opinions in all of these products. And there's just so much that I think it's getting to a breaking point and people are getting very fatigued with it. Like you and I, I think, I don't want to speak for you, but have been so fatigued with it. I now have like three influencers whose stuff that I watch on Instagram and that's it. I have like the four newsletters that I read in the morning and that's how I get my news and updates on what's going on. So I think that people are going to get a lot more selective with what they're consuming online um, and taking that power back into their hands and are just wanting to spend more time offline. So I think for brands, it's going to be more IRL activations, more relationship building, more one And by the way, like IRL activations that are like true to the brand. It's not just like, again, copy paste, like what has worked for other brands offline. It's like the ones that will succeed are the ones that are like so true to community. Not every brand, this is like maybe a hot take. I don't think every single brand needs to be doing offline or every single brand needs to be doing community. But I think that like the brands that at least we're excited about are the ones that are doing that because for us, that's important. Like offline, in-person, 
those things I think are a shift that we're all craving. And so I think a lot of brands are going to go on that bandwagon, but I don't know that all brands are going to be doing it well because it's Mm -hmm. not true to their brand. Interesting. You know? I mean, I think with anything, like something will catch on and people just see it catching on and they'll try and copy and paste and get a quick buck, get a quick customer. But back to your point, by the way, about like the being selective with brands and with creators, like on the creator point, I think that we're just going to, it's going to be like the um, streaming effect of creators where you choose, you pick your players, you pick your three influencers that you love, you double down on them and you invest in them. So like if they have a Patreon account, if they like, you'll consume still a good amount of content likely, but you'll double down because you love them so much and you like find them to be a part of your, your life, like your daily thing. And you will invest in them. And that's where you'll, where you'll put your consuming energy. Right. And to just... I'm not saying you. I kept saying you, you, you. But I mean, like, (laughs) you, Megan McGuire, only going to be doing that. No, I think just, like, people in general. Like, I think that we're just... I think we're wanting to take back the power a little bit, too. We feel like we're being sold to so much. Um, We're being talked at so much. We're being thrown all of this content that we didn't Conflicting ask for. information, yeah. We're getting all these ads, all yeah. of these promotions that we did not ask for. And yeah, I think to your point too, like having that power to say, okay, I really love this influencer. I want to subscribe and opt in into more content from her or him every month. Like that makes me feel a sense of But it's like, exactly. It's like intentional content. Like if it's a a Patreon, like you're sitting down to watch that versus passive. And I just think that like similar to, I mean, I I feel like I need to stop saying everything is a mirror because it's it's just so true. Like, like just like choosing things that you're sitting down and you're proactively versus passively watching. So like the three ones that you like, like when you sit down to watch maybe something that you're paying for, a Patreon um, whatever, if you subscribe to Substack or whatever, like you are opting in versus passively being shown. And I think that that's where we're all moving towards. So the ones that have real community, I I think are going to be the ones that win. I think too, there's just Again, like the amount of volume there is out there, the amount of podcasts that are out there, the amount of YouTubers that are out there, and just the amount of information overload that we're getting. And I feel like the past couple of years, we've been on this trajectory of an increasing amount of space and time we're filling with just information and noise. And I think the pendulum is going to swing the other way. So whereas we have been and probably will continue to be just constantly online, constantly plugged in, always listening to some kind of podcast, always listening to um, this creator talking about X, Y, and Z product, always reading the new Substack, the new newsletter, whatever it is. I think now people are going to want to, again, just be more selective and with what they are choosing to opt into be more engaged with it too. Mm-hmm. Like right now, my favorite thing to do is, I mean, I still like go on a walk and listen to podcasts, but my favorite thing is to wake up early in the morning, get my coffee and sit down and watch my favorite vlog or my favorite podcast and actually pay attention mm-hmm. and not do anything else and like truly absorb and just be present in that conversation. And I feel a lot more connected to the person and the content that I'm watching when I do. Agree. Okay, next, I think I really want to talk about the Allure Creators Network because it's so freaking smart. <sighs> obsessed with obsessed with it. I mean, I've we had Sarah Mattis on the show. If you haven't listened to that episode and you're interested in this conversation, go listen to that episode because you talk about affiliate marketing or affiliate PR. The, the entire time. I am obsessed with what Allure is doing. For those of you who don't know, Allure launched the Creator Lab. Is that what is that what it's called? Creator Network. The Creator Network. And the reason why Megan and I are so obsessed with it is because affiliate PR has really been a hot topic point because for those of you who don't know what affiliate PR is, it means that outlets are now getting a commission of 
the sale that happens through the link that they promote. So if they're doing a roundup of the five best lipsticks, they are going to likely choose lipsticks that will have the highest commission rate for them that will make them the most money. It's how media companies are making money right now. And it's something that Megan and I have talked about so much because from a journalistic standpoint, it seems to me like where who can you trust these days when literally the thing that's being chosen is the one that's just going to make the, mo- the most money, not necessarily the thing that is actually the best product, where the whole point of journalism in the first place is to be objective and to actually showcase what is best. That was the genesis of journalism. That is the point of it. Otherwise, why are we here? Like literally, that's that's the way that we see it. And we've talked about it before. Whenever I think of an outlet that I trust, it's Allure. And it's the ones that do not take things that are given to them for free or that don't do affiliate. Allure does do affiliate, but they are so, so on top. Allure does affiliate, right? Yeah. Like they're so on top of vetting and they've always been actually so true to their content where there are so many other outlets that we watch that I'm just like, what? There's no way that this is the best body soap that exists in the world. Like they're just getting a fat check from the brand. They're getting a 50% commission split. Like it's insane. And so Allure being an outlet that is so reputable, it's so trustworthy. If you ask anyone in the industry and you say, what is the holy grail in beauty? Every single person will say Allure because it genuinely has always been and is. And they just launched this creator network where they are essentially leveraging creator voices that have that same level of integrity in the way that they select the products that they talk about on their Instagram, TikTok, YouTubes, and working together to amplify the content that they have on Allure with the voices that are already trusted by their audiences. So I would love to see this expand across all industries in media and having a network of voices that can amplify the work that these media companies are doing and vice versa. Like they're amplifying the creator voices. The creators are amplifying the media. And to me, it's it's the way to grow a media business in 2024. Yeah, so the idea is really that if you see one of the allure one of the writers in the Allure Creators Network, no matter where they're writing for, my understanding is that they abide by certain principles of vetting and research. So you know that you can trust that person and Mm -hmm. that that person is abiding by Allure standards. Um, Allure hasn't yet released what the standards are, which I'm so curious about of what the vetting process is. But I mean, to date and historically, Allure has always had a pretty intense vetting process. And we know this firsthand with the way that they vet our clients. Like, it's serious. But I am curious on how they do it with these Yeah, so that's actually another one of our points is more transparency on how outlets are vetting the products that they're promoting. Yep. Because I, and I said this also in the Sarah Mattis episode, and I, I, my tune has changed a little bit on the affiliate PR of it all, only in the sense that like, I want, I obviously want to see these media brands succeed. Like, I want to see the ones that have good intention behind it do well, but that part has missed the plot entirely. On like having some, like, like I said, like that bar soap example. Like, so many of these outlets, all of them pretty much, except for like a handful, have missed the plot on having some sort of like vetting system in place. They're just going off of the one that's going to make them the most money. The ones that are going to survive are the ones that are most trustworthy. And that keep their point of view intact. Like I think so many of these outlets have lost like a specific point of view. It's almost just like a plug and play formula. Um, And I think the pendulum is going to swing back a little bit because I think like you got to stay like it's similar to how there's so many influencers out there right now where there's so much product out there right now and how we're saying like your product really has to be different and have a clear differentiating factor. I think the same is going to be emulated in media. Mm -hmm. So I would personally I love that Allure did it. I was so excited to see it. I think it's so genius. I would love to see that across all industries. I would also love to see Allure's vetting list. I would love to see all outlets vetting lists on how they how they vet their affiliate partners because and to be overt and transparent about it. Like I'm all for you making money, media company, but tell me how you're vetting this so that I know that I can trust this article. And so I know if I mean beauty and products are so subjective. So that maybe these three things are really important to me when it comes to beauty. 
I want to stay away from these ingredients or I want it to be sustainable or whatever it is. So I can like review those guidelines that you are abiding by or yeah. you're abiding by. And if it's aligned with me, then I can say, okay, like I know that I can go to this one and mm-hmm. trust what they're saying. And maybe another one is like they have vetting processes that aren't as aligned with what's a priority to me. Yeah. Um, but so- I would love to see, I would just love to see that be over. And I think that we're going to see, I think a lot of people are going to follow suit from the allure thing. That's my prediction. But um, I still think that there's so much transparency that could be shared on some level. It doesn't have to be like, you don't, they don't have to give us the playbook exactly. But like, I just, similar to how a creator will say like, okay, I will only talk about a product if I've tested it out myself for three months or however they talk about it. Like, I want to see that same level from media. I agree. They don't have to tell us exactly what the commission, spl- the commission split is. No, no, no. I they just, just want, you want to know yeah. what the vetting process. Like, is, I want them to make money. I want them to survive. What you're looking for yeah. in a beauty product or like in a face product or in your retinal products, like even that specific, um, and like what your standards are of clean, sustainable, or what even clean means to you. Mm-hmm. So many people have such different subject or such different definitions of words such as clean. Um, And it's really such a big word. So, yeah, I think getting more transparent on what, like, your ethics code is even when it comes to promoting product. Mm -hmm. And then one last thing that I do want to talk about is for 2024 predictions, um, B2B partnerships. Mm, Love this. I mean, I am so for it. I think I'm so ready to be refreshed when it comes to cool partnerships that are so out of the box. I think we're just going to see it. It's it's starting a little bit right now. I think that like the voices that we are super inspired by have like started to have those conversations and like I'm just excited to see them come to life. Like yeah. I can't wait to be just like completely surprised by partnerships that are out of the box that are from two completely different industries that you would think make no sense together but make like, all the I sense in the world. I would never think of this, but that makes so much sense and that's so smart. Like Skims yep. X MBA, Road X Krispy Kreme. Yeah. These but what I don't want to see, like, I want to see that done, but not be, it's like with everything, everything's going to be just like overly done. Right. I eat Air One smoothie, but like, I really do want to see refreshing ones that are like just true to brands. And I, I, I hope to see it in 2024. And just out of the box. Yeah. Or creative. Creative. Plug and play. Back to creative. I really hope that we're all going to leverage all of these amazing systems and the AIs of the world so that we can actually get back to using our creativity to think outside of the box. That's what I'm super excited for. Something that we didn't talk about that I think that actually most people come to us for is thought leadership. What are 2024 predictions, vibes that you think of for thought leadership? Mm. We didn't prep for this one, but I'm curious. Like, how so in terms of the channels that they're going to talk in? Yeah. Like, for example, actually, we did prep about this a little bit, that we were saying something that's out. Did we do our in and out list? We haven't done that. Like, what we the list that we did of things that we think are going to be in for 2024 and things that are out. We didn't do the—or, like, for example, in thought leadership, we talked about the fact that we don't think that tours or, like, people talking about something, i.e., Jada Pinkett Smith Smith going on every single podcast and talking about her book. I think it's going to be more selective. And then I also think within the podcast space that people are going to break news on podcasts or like that it's going to continue to be the safest place for for people to actually tell their full story and that be the platform that is Tell it in a nuanced way. Most trusted, yeah. Yeah, less founder interviews traditionally. Oh, yeah, founder interviews, no. Certain outlets that have, like, are doing it right are the OGs. How I built this. How I built this. Um, We talked about affiliate marketing not being out. I think it's here to stay, but just going about it in a more transparent way. Out, we talked about paywall. I don't even know that it's out. I don't know that I would say it's out. I'm just, I personally don't want to see it anymore. I'm so over it. There has to be another way. Paywall for every single thing. It's like, I understand that we currently as a collective are needing to, at this moment in time, pay for our different streaming services. But for media, like there has to be another way. Yeah. The pendulum's going to swing. Yeah. Okay. So with that, 
we'll probably do another intentional brand building episode. But I, for anyone that's listening, less is more, I think. Comment for a part two. <laughs> I think less is more is a huge takeaway. Really figuring out how to do the inner work to self-validate in order for every single thing that you're doing and every touch point that you have to reflect back that self-validation, which will likely turn into great outcomes. And continuing to create from a place that's just true to your brand and not copy-pasting other brands and sticking to the vehicles that make sense for you is my big takeaway. And mine is just being more selective with the content that we're consuming and aware of the content we're consuming and spending more time offline with communities that make us feel good and connected. freaking men. Thank you so much for getting to the end of the episode. And more importantly, thank yourself for choosing to learn more about how to come home to yourself. As always, take what resonates with you and simply let go of what doesn't. I would really appreciate it if you can give the show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen, because that's the way that the show will continue to grow. And we are all about growth here. I'm sending you so much love and I will see you next week.